Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. From the Colts Radio Network, the former NFL coach and friend of this show, Rick Venturi, again on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Welcome back, Rick. How you doing? Hey, John, I'm really, really doing good. I, I can't tell you how excited I get. You know, there's there's about four pillars in my life that I really just have always loved going back to my early rookie days. Um, I absolutely love the draft, uh, and that goes back to my college days, really, when we recruited uh, and we had to make projections on players. Um, love the draft. Love the opening day of training camp. Love the opening day of the season and then January football. I mean, I I kind of professionally live for those uh, those things, but I, I'm really excited about the draft. And obviously, there's a lot of drama. Uh, hopefully there's not a lot of drama on West 56th Street. They have this thing figured out, but there's certainly a lot of things to talk about and a lot of things that can really happen between now and, uh, you know, 8 o'clock Thursday night. So I think it was uh, Chris Ballard on Thursday at that pre-draft presser. And believe me, we both know this. There's not a lot you can say. I mean, you're just getting out there and rambling and, you know, trying to as best you can answer questions because you don't have answers that you want to give anybody for those questions. So it's really kind of weird and it's awkward. But they suggest, he suggests that they don't really know how things are going to go in front of them right now. I always think that's BS. Am I wrong? Well, I think this is a pretty new, uh, unique year. Uh, and you're right, John. This is I, I've I've defined this. I see everybody using it now. This is the lying season for everybody. No one is going to tip their hand. Everybody's going to mislead. Um, there's going to be falsified information, all kinds of leaks, things like that. Uh, Chris himself <laughs> announced that he was he didn't call it lying. He he called it dancing. Um, here's the deal. I know. Um, Everybody, you have to, uh, you got to have a great quarterback to win in the National Football League today, you know, particularly in the NFC, AFC. I mean, if you can't score 30 points, you're, you're going to have a tough time winning. There's so many great young QBs. Uh, you know, it's, it's a fabulous time from that standpoint. So, you know, you got to have a QB uh, to win. And then, second of all, as in all years, because you have to have them, this position will be inflated. Um, these guys aren't a potential one, two, three, four, which isn't going to happen, but they're not potentially that because they're generational players. They're there because the need is so great and you can't win and you can't play without one. Um, I think I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have a nervous breakdown, basically, whoever they take, even though I have my feelings on the rankings, because in this year, Every single guy, including the guy who I rank clearly number one, uh, including Bryce Young, all the top five guys have some terrific reasons to take them. 
and to work with them and to develop them. But then on the other side, you know, they have enough reasons to reject them, you know, and be total bust. So, you know, it's, you know, as, as much as how you rate them and so forth, uh, I think is really going to be determined by the type of coaching staff you have. But also on the negative side, I think because these guys aren't really generational quarterbacks, that's why Houston could say maybe not. Maybe we, with that second pick, either trade out of here or we get a great defensive player, uh, you know, a generational defensive player, and then get another pick with 12, you know, and play with this quarterback for a while and so forth and so on. And so I, I do think that there is an element that anything could happen in front of us. Now, from the Colts' standpoint, the important thing to know is – even though they could say, they can say, well, you know, all four or five of these guys, I'll say four, you know, there's not a lot of separation. You, you, there has to be. You, when you rate these guys, you have to rate them hard. One, divide that next to two, divide that next to three, and divide that next to four. So regardless of what happens in front of you, you have to be ready to go in the order that you pick them and whatever there you have to go in that order at that minute if if 2 and 3 aren't quarterbacks then you're going to have the choice you're going to have to roll the dice between number 2 number 3 number 4 i i think that would be a really fabulous scenario because there'll be no hiding behind the pick uh if in fact the uh, the top 3 guys are sitting there for you, then you know you're you're going to have to make that pick, and history will decide, you know, if you did the right thing. It's uh, Rick Venturi, the Colts Radio Network, former NFL coach, and nobody goes more in depth in preparation for a draft than he does. And kind enough to join us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Before I set you up and you take off running with the top of this draft, in particular number four overall, and your expectation at assuming here quarterback for the Colts. I did want to ask you this. So I know you've heard this before. I probably even mentioned it to you the last time in a season like this past which is an absolute disaster you tend to move forward a little bit in conversation and talking about the draft especially when the belief is your long-term quarterback is going to be found there so I, I got a, a bit of information back during the season that at the time the Colts like Will Levis and I thought that maybe there was a little bit more sincerity in it then, even with a lot of time to go to, you know, obviously tear down that particular quarterback as you do all these players in this draft, because not everything at that moment's under lock and key like it is right now. Yeah. Yeah. You, you agree with maybe that? Because honestly, I haven't heard anything differently since then. I could be completely wrong. There's no doubt about that once they select coming up on Thursday. But is there truth to that, knowing then and then saying that compared to not wanting anybody in your kitchen and it being locked up tight right now before the draft? That's a huge difference, right? Yeah, that's a huge difference. Uh, you know, I thought Ballard, you know, he, he tried to tamp down the sense that they were locked in on one guy, which you can't be locked in on one guy, actually. As I said just a minute ago, you have to have an order of preference, and I can get into what you're looking for, what you want, what they have, what they don't have, who you've fallen in love with, you know, and, and then it's, but it's a process to get there, and how you felt in November 
and even early January and February may not be how you feel today because you you go through a, a real long process, and I think the Colts certainly on the surface has done their due diligence on all those guys. They've they've been there and back. They've had them in. They've done the testing. And so, you know, I mean, I'm sure that they have the, you know, a, a look today uh, that could have been vastly different from what was in the original thoughts. I mean, for a guy, for instance, a guy like Richardson's only played 13 games. So when you were talking about in season, he didn't even have a full season under his belt. So, you know, I think that changes. I think the other scenario that I have seen change um, over the years, and this is my, believe this or not, this is my 41st draft. But one thing I notice is, and this particularly applies to the early process and the combine. Guys come out of the combine. And, boy, I'll tell you what, you hear all the buzzwords. You know, this guy's ceiling and this guy's floor. You know, this guy is tremendous. Look at the tool. Look at the physicality, the tools that he has. Don't judge and, in a vacuum is my favorite oh, right there. No, no question about it. And, <laughs> and so what happens on March 1st, all of a sudden things get changed around. You know, I, I call them fetch players, guys that become lottery picks or high draft picks in February and March. And my, my response always to that was, did I miss a game in February and March? How, how's this guy rising so high? Well, you know, they're rising because of metrics and the tools that they show and the combine and so forth. And that happens. And that even that happens to the experts, not just, you know, not just the amateurs. But here's what I've always known is when you get the difference in March 1st and April 15th is night and day. Because now when we get really, really close and we have to pull the trigger, and let's face it, when you're pulling the trigger on one of these quarterbacks, you're either, you're either going to be a genius or you're going to get fired if you're in that process because this is going to make or break you. They can minimize that you know, there's not a lot of pressure on Well, there's a lot of pressure on it. And it's a, it's a landmark choice coming up when you're in the lottery on a quarterback. But what you tend to do when you get close – is you tend to kind of overanalyze, uh, you know, rumors come out. We just saw the one on the cognitive test. Uh, I've been in situations where a drug test came out uh, just before the test. I mean, we were ready to uh, we were ready in Cleveland to draft Warren Sapp with the eighth pick in the draft, and two days before there was a report on on drug usage. Uh, we ended up backing off, which was the dumbest thing we ever did. But those things happen. A lot of stuff leaks. Some of it is you know kind of fake news, really. Uh, I really believe by some teams to you know affect how you look at somebody, but. But in the end, you now have so much information, and now the pressure is tough because you're no longer talking about it. You're no no longer doing press conferences. Now you're making that pick for better or worse. And so I think a lot of things change uh, when you get right down to uh, nut-cutting time, so to speak. It's uh, Rick Venturi with us talking NFL draft, of course, number four overall on Thursday. And uh, yeah, the Colts are going to be – are you going to be with everybody out there? 
or have you done well, your bit with them? How's that no, work? No, no, no. Matt and I and Joe Wright That's what I thought. Yeah. are going to be working Thursday night there at the complex out into the, you know, with the, um, the ticket holders. Uh, we're going to be doing that uh, on Friday, on Thursday night. We'll do, we'll start earlier. I think we're starting at 7 or 7.30. Um, and then we're going to do the whole first round. And then the second night, Friday, um, it'll be uh, Matt and I. We'll do um, the second night, which is round two and round three. So we'll have great a- analysis. If you're if you're out driving around on those two nights, running some errands, make sure you check in with us because we will. And I, I, you know, it's you know probably too much plug here, but we do a very very good job. Even though we're a local show, I think we do a really good national view of this whole thing. Nah, it's going to be fantastic coming up on Thursday. You can hear that right here. It's Rick Venturi. All right, with that, let's unveil what you think is going to happen and compare that to what you believe should happen at number four. Well, let me let me go this way to you because you know let's let's assume um, that you know it's quarterback one. Right. Uh, let's let's assume that that is the case. Uh, and so you know, here's how here's how I look at it. Okay, and I'll I'll kind of backtrack for a minute. You know, I'm taking a little bit of uh, of what Steichen had to say, adding some things of my own, you know, and kind of coming up what I look for in a quarterback. What I think is important, and and Shane was on the same page with this. Number one, uh, and and I think when we talk about all these guys, we can check the boxes or don't check the boxes. Um, I think number one, you're looking for accuracy. And I always say accuracy under fire, not in a workout, not in a rocking chair, but accuracy under fire, you know, when the pocket is tight. Uh, Number two, uh, we've got to have a guy on Sunday that can really, really process information in a millisecond, in an absolute millisecond. That's why, you know, test scores can can be important. They're not everything, and sometimes they're they're not. You know, sometimes they don't tell the whole story, but they are baselines. I think number three, you're looking for a guy that, if possible, can create offense. You know, can extend plays, can make it when it's not there, make plays with his feet. Then I think number four, which I've added to this because I, I really think this is important, is poise under pressure. Can you play under control when things are hot? Now, when you look at the top three guys in the league, in my opinion, Mahomes does that. No matter how fast the game is, no matter how much he's running around, he never loses vision on the field. He never loses control. Jalen Hurts the same way. You can argue about his accuracy and all that, but he is a movement guy. When he's moving, he's always looking and therefore under control. Joe Burrows, who isn't a big scrambler, he can move and avoid, but no matter how much pressure, he's always under control. Now, sometimes you look at a, you know, to me, at an Allen at Buffalo, who's a tremendous athlete, but there's times that he's frenzied when, you know, when there's pressure there in certain situations. Lawrence has a little bit of that yet, and they'll get through it, but those first three guys – 
think it's really an important quality. And then, of course, as Shane says, the fifth thing and the most important thing attitudinally is just a total commitment to excellence. That, you know, that that guy that's going to be the first guy in in the morning, you know, the last guy out, the Brady mentality. And I think those five things. So if you look at those five things and you rank the five guys, I rank the five guys because I think Hooker, you know, had he not torn the ACL would be right in the thick of it for all the marbles. Um, But I clearly uh, like Bryce Young. I think in Bryce Young's case, you could check all five boxes. Everything is there. The accuracy is pinpoint uh, process. The guy's brilliant. Um, You know, he can create. He makes terrific plays, uh, never loses control. Uh, I watched tape when the quarterbacks with John Gruden for two full days down in Tampa. And, of course, John was the quarterback, a whisperer, before there was one. And we studied the heck out of these guys because I wanted some input. Um, And we we started calling. It was funny. We started calling um, Bryce Young Little Mo. Uh, and there'll only be one, and ever only be one Mahomes, and Mahomes is big at six four plus. But he, this guy has the same kind of traits. He can make things happen at the last minute. He can dart out of it and hit somebody. Uh, he has that, and then the total commitment. The only problem with Bryce is what it is. I can't make him bigger than five ten, one eighty five, because that's what I think. Then that's five ten and an eighth, one eighty five. Now I wouldn't let that bother me. He would be the first quarterback off the board to me, and I would draw a line and then go to the rest of them. Now, I'm not going to be upset if somebody is a prototype drafter. John, if you're a prototype drafter and you tell me I just can't have a 5'10 quarterback, if you have a great reason for that, then you go that way. I'm just saying in my book, he is clearly number one, okay? Now, when you go through some of the other guys, uh, you know, I don't think that Stroud is clearly number two like a lot of people do. Um, I think Stroud is a um, he. Stroud is a guy who is maybe on in the college game is the most consistent guy in all things. You know, he's very very accurate, very good release. Um, you know, does those things. He has you know, he's great great percentage statistics, which I don't put too much you know too much into in the college game, but he does. Uh, he has that. He's very, very accurate with the ball, good ball placement. Um, and, you know, I think that part of it's good. Uh, Stroud is a guy that I give him credit for consistency, but of the all of them, of all of them, to me, he just has the fewest wow plays. In other words, if if he were a gymnast, I would give him a lot of sevens and a lot of eights, but I don't know that I'd ever give him a ten. Okay, now, the other thing, and it you know, whether or not it should be a factor or not, it is to me. He plays the game in a rocking chair at Ohio State, okay? He's got he's going to have five number one top draft pick receivers in the last two years. He's got an offensive line of top draft picks. So he very seldom gets pressure. He very seldom is out of rhythm. And, you know, basically Ohio State is better than everybody they play till they get in the finals. I mean, it's really that simple. And they, ha- and they run an offense that is 
a, trem- a true college offense, not a pro offense, which is a one-look read and go. It's not a big processing thing. The biggest problem that I have is it's not going to be like that in the NFL. You're going to play with dirty pockets, cave pockets, a lot of blitzing, and when that happened to him in college, his efficiency really, really falls off. It really falls off the table. And so that is a, a little bit of a problem that I have with him. Now, again, if you draft him, you're going to get a guy with a really good arm and release. And so you've got a lot to work with. Um, Anthony Richardson is, you know, he is a boomer bust. He's polarizing to a lot of, a lot of respects. Um, unicorn tools. There's no question about that. Now, the three tools that he has, because he's not he's not like necessarily a five tool guy. What they say in baseball. Number one, he has size. Number two, he has the strong arm. I mean, he's a he's a runner heave guy. Uh, you know, and number three, obviously, he has that tremendous speed, that four four speed and running ability. Okay, so he has those things, and so you know, basically, those are like I said, those are unicorn talents, a four four three. Now he doesn't throw the ball with pinpoint accuracy. Okay, you know, Hertz was a little bit like that but better. So, you know, if you draft him, it's it's like I said, it's 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 like in if you're playing uh, draw poker, five draw, five card draw, it's like holding the jack, the queen and the king of spades and you're drawn for the 10 and the ace. But if you hit a deuce there, <laughs> you just bust out. So, I think I mentioned this to Chris Ballard early in the process when Richardson was knocking it dead at the combine. He's a guy that makes you a genius or he gets you fired. Now, also, I think the figure, you got to understand it. He's going to take a while with only the 13 starts. Um, you know, I don't think that that's, you know, a fatal flaw, but that's what it is. He is not, I don't think he's as pro-ready as the rest of those guys. And so if he's the quarterback, then Gardner Minshew, his bridge is going to be a little bit longer to cross. It's not It's not going to be the, uh, the canal downtown Indianapolis. It's going to be more like uh, the bridge over Pontchartrain in New Orleans. It's going to be a longer Lengthy. bridge. <laughs> from, from that standpoint, but you know, I just I just worry sometimes about prospects that make it, you know, in February and March. Um, but he he has it. If I think he's a really good kid, I don't know how well he processes because again, it's a one look and go. Um, I think his test scores are very solid, so he probably has a good chance on that. Um, I don't know. If you want me to stop? Let tell me when you want me. No, to stop. I want you to know. You yeah, keep going, keep okay. going. I, I think because you want to get to to uh, Hooker as well. I think before yeah, we take uh, a break yeah. here, because a lot of people want to know about that because yeah. he seems to be on the outside looking in. But continue. Okay. Well, so you know Richardson again is boom or bust. Now you know he's the kind of guy that is going to take a specialized offense. Now we have the coaching staff for that. So. If we take him, I'm confident that it will be a Jalen Hurts type of offense, which really uses the quarterback as the primary runner in the offense. But also, I thought, and I think they have good balance, and they play with enough NFL passing concepts 
to be really good. And I think that's why uh, Jalen has flourished so much at Philadelphia. I think Sirianni and Dash, you know, Steichen have done the best job in the National Football League, even better than Baltimore. Um, uh, uh, with with Jackson, I think those two guys have done the best job in the NFL of utilizing what a guy can do NCAA wise, quarterback, uh, you know what we call quarterback designers, and yet bring them along as an NFL passer. So if we do that, I'm pretty confident that our staff in time, uh, you know, has the best chance of bringing him on. Now the next guy. And obviously, there's a lot of hate for this guy, and it seems to be uh, yep. real hate in Indianapolis. I don't know why. I think it's a pundit thing, but I know I know why. So I'll get into that. And that's Levis. Now I am in probably a, a real small minority because I even have guys that are my peers, not just guys that are uh, not really experts. Guys that just read Pro Football Focus and read it back to you on the air. Um, I think we have know, those guys on like three days a week here, Rich. Yeah, they're on all the time, yeah. <laughs> well, the actual focus guys are good because they do look at the tape. But the guys that just copy what they say, they have no idea what they're talking about. But I'm, I like Levis. I, I think that Levis is a very outstanding prospect. Um, I think, you know, the, he has a tremendous gun. I mean, he has a tremendous arm. There isn't any question about it. He makes NFL throws. He throws the dig routes, the out routes. It's not, he's not just a run-and-heave guy. He can make those throws. And because he hasn't played on great teams, he can make off-platform throws. That is, he can be rushed. He can throw off the back foot. He can throw, you know, in bad positions and make tremendous plays. Uh, in some respects, you know, going 17 and 7 at Kentucky, and I defy somebody on the air to, to name me Kentucky prospects this year <laughs> that played with them. And more importantly, to go 10 and 3 with a really good offensive coordinator in 2021, I'm not sure that isn't the best accomplishment of all of them per, per his situation. Now, he does. There is an element to him where he forces the ball. I put that in a little bit of context. I'm not going to absolve it because it is what it is. But remember, Andrew Luck had 173 touchdowns and 83 interceptions. So it's not impossible for a good guy to do that. I do think what happens in context, because I've coached with bad teams, is you get a quarterback with a bad team, and basically what he has to do, he has to make every play. And so there are times when he is going to force the ball when he shouldn't, and it's head-scratching, and you say, how the heck did that happen? So that's something you're going to have to evaluate in this process to see if that is correctable, if it's a concentration error, or if it's just something trying to make plays. I, I think the other thing that works against him from a media standpoint is he's not a media darling. He's a little bit rigid. You know, he has some arrogance to him. He's not a funny kid. He doesn't, he doesn't seem really likable. And so all of a sudden, you know, he's not that great guy. We don't like Levis. Something about Levis I don't like. Well, you know, they, they bring up two things. They bring up that he puts mayonnaise in his coffee and that he eats bananas without taking the peel off. Well, if he's my quarterback, I'm getting him a truckload of Chiquitas and I'm getting a truckload of Hellman's and say the hell with it, I'm going to coach him up. I, I think this guy has a lot of tools, and if he slips, if he does slip, 
uh, he may end up being the steal of the draft. He's, uh, you know, people talk about all these intangibles and all that stuff, and and there's a little bit of a weirdness. I would quote people saying that about him. Just remember, this kid has a master's degree in finance. He's got a master's degree. So, I mean, this guy is this guy's got some stuff going. So, again, I like Levis a little bit better than everybody else, and there just seems to be yeah. so much hate. I can't believe it. And then Hooker. Well, well I tell you what, I, I'm going to take a break here. I want you to come back yeah, and close okay. with Hooker, and then I want to get to some of the other selections because you and I talked yeah. a little bit earlier. Those have seemingly been forgotten given yes. the whole quarterback <laughs> debate we've been on for the past month plus here. So we'll do that with you on the other side, starting with Hooker and then moving on, okay? Okay, bud. Quickly back to the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline and from the Colts Radio Network, the former coach, the radio analyst, and he, Matt Taylor, and Joe Rides have the draft show round one for you coming up on Thursday. That will be after us right here. Rick Venturi rejoins via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. All right, close out with the possible quarterbacks at number four with Hendon Hooker. And then I want to move on to some of this other stuff that has been rarely discussed as far as the rest of the Colts draft, Rick, is concerned. Absolutely. And I'll go real quick on Hooker because, you know, I think he's a unique guy and I don't think he's going to be in that top four. Uh, I think he'll be a little bit higher than people think. I I think he will end up being a first round pick. Uh, I think Hooker, because of the ACL, is out of the picture. I think had he been healthy, um, he would have very much been somewhere in this uh, in this vicinity of this top four we've been talking about. You know, he's the one guy. I know it's not a fencing match, but he's the one guy that beat uh, Richardson at Florida, beat Young at Alabama, and beat Levis at Kentucky. So he's 3-0 and in those games. Great arm, great quick release, played in a very, very – sophisticated chaotic offense that drove people crazy so i guess the biggest the biggest question on hooker other than the knee is does he process that well or was the offense that good and that taxing on the defense that it created him for him but really good kid uh, I think he's going to get drafted, like I said, much higher than originally thought. That's uh, Rick Venturi right there. Let's move on. Some yeah. of the other needs. And one, as you and I talked about, they, they created more of immediate need at corner by trading Stephon Gilmore in the fashion in which they did. Is that where we're starting as far as positions of need after quarterback here? Well, I think, you know, I think number one, just a very quick um, preview to the specific question. You know, I think the biggest thing the Colts, I, I think the biggest weakness the Colts have is in the top 10 to 12 players in the rosters. We just, at that level, we don't have a ton of guys. We don't have enough guys uh, that either have it or are in position that changes the change the game, position of significance, uh, and that's game changers, ambient type players. I, I think when you look at it from how you defense the Colts, you know, there's really one guy on offense right now, and that's Jonathan Taylor. And Jonathan Taylor is a game changer and a playmaker as a running back. On defense, the one guy is Buckner. 
Buckner is the one guy that you really – and that's not to say they don't have some solid guys, but I'm talking about, you know, the guys like Cincy has at the – you know, on offense uh, that Philadelphia has, the, you know, that certainly Kansas City has, and even Jacksonville acquired last year, the quarterbacks, the receivers. I could go through every one, but we don't have time. And I think we're painfully lacking there. But, you know, when we don't do it in free agency, it's very hard to do it in one draft. It takes time um, in that regard. Uh, you're absolutely right. The third guy I was going to mention is gone is is Gilmore. I mean, Gilmore, to me, was one of the, the guys that you really had to scheme around. He was the one real playmaker when we needed it in the back end. So, you know, it's surprising to me how you could give him up for a fifth. But, you know, in effect, we did it. You know, whether it's a cap saving, his age, or whatever, but he was still a damn good football player. So there is no question about it that we, we created a need that was probably there already at corner. Now, uh, I think the good news is is that there are some, uh, you know, some really good corners. It's a really, it may be the best corner class and tight end class in terms of quality uh, and depth of quality. Uh, you're not you you're not only looking at guys I think that are starters on the first round. But I think there's second day starters in those two positions. Um, and so you know when you look at that. Some guys to keep keep your eyes on. I mean, I don't think there's any question that there's some guys going to go quick. I think Gonzalez is going to go quick in the first round. I think Witherspoon. I think those guys are top ten guys. Porter probably um, up in there on the first round. Guys that I think we should be really, really interested in and guys that could be a factor with that 35th per pick um, is uh, my favorite, my favorite corner in the draft, period. I'd be honored to get him at any time. 35th is Deontay Banks. He may, I, I got a feeling he's going to be a first rounder um, kid out of Maryland. Just great, great speed, great explosiveness, stop on a dime. I think Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State, even though he's a toothpick, another four, three, six guy that can fly. You're not making my team unless you can run at corner. One thing, one thing I know is a young corner has to be able to outrun his mistakes. And if you get marginal speed guys, they're going to really struggle and they're going to hold all day. Uh, DJ Turner out of Michigan. I like Ty Stevenson out of Miami and I like Bennett uh, out of Maryland. Now I could go on with more guys but you know those are five guys that I really like. They have all the uh, all the metrics. I, I think they're really good football players and they're going to be guys that you're going to be thinking about. They're going to be in the mix around 35. Um, hey, I was going know, really quick. Julius Brents from Indianapolis. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about him because he's different, being the fact he is so so tall, rangy in yeah, this case. Brents is really an interesting guy. Brents is not, and and I'll get into it. Brents does everything well. Brents is really, really good on tape. He has a tremendous vertical jump. I think it's 41-something. Um, he has a tremendous short shuttle. I think it's 4-1-0. The only, and he has really long arms. You're right. He plays really long, and he's a really good technician. Um, he's going to play in the league. There ain't any doubt about it. He may be here. He tends to be the kind of guy that Ballard really likes. 
my problem is I have one problem and I never back off from it. And that doesn't necessarily make me right, but he is about a four five three guy. He comes over a little bit over to me that cutoff point is four five. And that that doesn't mean that there aren't exceptions that can really get in and play, particularly with his explosiveness and his quickness, but that is a little bit of a non starter for me. So Rick Venturi via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Again, he, Matt Taylor, Joe Wright, have your draft coverage round one Thursday. After this show, they'll be out at the uh, Colts Complex with season ticket holders for the show. That is something you will not want to miss as well. All right, other thoughts, and and we'll trail into the next break as well because you've always had, and I've always loved this, your Morse Reservoir All-Stars, but you have added a different layer to that this year haven't you i sure have and uh i call it my combination morse reservoir all-stars slash my et team now you you remember the movie i do e. come home i think i cried and, uh, during that I, movie I want, in 1982 i think <laughs> i want some of those guys to come home now the reason i call it et and some of these guys i just mentioned are going to be repeats on this is the one thing that you can't coach. And I found myself over the years cherishing these traits, particularly after I've looked at the film. Now, if the guy's not even good on film, I don't care about the traits. But the two traits that you just can't coach, they have to be there, is explosiveness, that's the E, and twitch. And twitch is just that that quickness. It's hard to define, but you know it when you see it. And so that's where the ET tum comes from. And so I've got a bunch of guys that I will list. And what I've done, the reason it's not all Morse Reservoir All-Stars is there are several guys here that on that second day could be in the picture. A few of them, handful of them may go in the top 15, but there's a lot of guys that I'm going to list for you to be alert for. Uh, I think that it would be really good on that second, that second and third round. Yeah. E.T. is what you're calling it. E.T., yep. Anybody come to mind? Okay. I got several guys if we got time. We, well, uh, give me give me a three and a half minutes worth, and then we'll take a break and come back and close it with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. On the offensive end of it, on the offensive end of it, all right, here's the receivers that I really like. Right. Now, uh, some of them, you know, like Flowers are probably going to be in the first round. But here's guys that are really – they can fly. They can make plays. I, th- I think this year's receiver core – is not great at the um, very top. I, I don't think you have that kind of stuff, but I think it's exceptional on the second day. Now, what it is, is a lot of smaller, faster slot type guys, but we need guys that can make plays. So here's some names, guys I really like. I really like uh, Flowers out of uh, Boston College. He's a small slot guy, but he can catch it and run it. He can separate. I really like Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. Now, he's an outside guy. If if I had Hyatt, I would probably consider uh, using Pittman more at the slot where I think he'd be more effective. Um, I really like Marlon Mims out of Oklahoma. Again, a small slot, very much like Flowers, who's a big play, who can jump out of the gym. I like a kid, and this would be a Morse Reservoir All-Star. He's not, he's not in that top 
you know, 40 guys. But a guy I really like is another kid out of Cincinnati, uh, Tyler Scott, who can really fly. And then uh, my dark horse on this is we've done so well in the Northeast with, uh, you know, with Thomas and um, and uh, Rogers. Uh, you know, we've had low draft picks out of the Northeast actually play very good. And I like Olasevich the receiver from Princeton, and all five of these guys that I mentioned really uh, not only look good on film, but they can run, they can fly, take the top off the defense. So, you know, in terms of my of my receivers, those are the five guys that make my ET team that you're going to be thinking about on that second day. Ah, oh, man. So Rick Venturi via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Let me take a break and come back. Uh, I got some, a whole team for oh, so I, I know you we do. Can, we could go three hours today if you want. <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll uh, maybe get an edge rusher on the backside yeah. of this, and then okay. Okay. I, I'm yeah. curious. I am curious your thoughts, and we'll have to do this quickly at right guard, and then for Shaquille Leonard as well. We'll bring Rick Venturi back. I mentioned edge rushing opportunities. Where do they stand according to you in this draft? Well, you know, I don't think there's any question about a Will Anderson's going to be gone in the lottery. Um, uh, probably Tyree Wilson. I don't think quite as high as people think, but I think he'll be. I think he'll be gone in the first round. Um, and so, I mean, those are the two, you know, athletic guys that I, I think are pretty visible to everyone. Everybody kind of knows those names. But here's some edge guys that I really, really like. Um, and and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go through them a little bit with you. Um, these are I, now a couple of these guys. Uh, the first one probably won't make it through the first round, but I really like Nolan Smith out of Georgia. He's you know he's a really good football player. And he he just ran a four three nine at the combine. I mean this guy is explosive. He's on that ET team for a reason. The other guy I like right with him is, and he won't go in the first round, is Brian Young out of Tennessee. Another really good, these are guys, what we need is that guy off the edge like Riddick at Philadelphia that is fast and gets up there and makes plays. We have ponderous rushers. We have guys that play hard, but they don't just have the jet. That's why I'm putting a lot of emphasis on speed. So, again, I start with Nolan Smith and uh, and Brian Young. I like Hall out of Auburn. I like Will McDonald uh, out of Iowa State. Uh, I like the white kid out of Georgia Tech. That's five guys. And then on a later, on a third day, uh, I have a Morris Reservoir All-Star um, you know, and that is the rich that is a Ramirez out of Eastern Michigan. But, you know, those four, you know, those guys above that, those top four or five guys really have good tape. They have ability and and they can all all run. I mean, they can all fly off that edge. And I think we have to put a premium on that. I think explosiveness is is where we're lacking and game changers, you know, the the Joey Boses, the Khalil Max, you know, the Von Millers, uh, even guys like Riddick that, you know, change the game on defense, change the game yeah. on offense. You know, when I was a young rookie coach, and I've carried it with me my entire life, and I think the top teams in the league are have this as a model. Uh, Polian had it as a model, um, is – 
I remember my first personnel director, Fred Schubeck, who I learned a lot from way back 41 years ago. And Fred said to me, Rick, when you draft and you invest in players high, you take guys who knock the quarterback down or guys that put the ball in the end zone yep. and make do with everything else. And if you look at the, you know, the Manning model, it was pretty much like that. You know, you had yep. Hall of Fame receivers, running back, uh, great quarterback, obviously, edge rushers, and then two edge rushers when the, you know when you had the lead. And you know, and then the rest of it, everybody kind of made do. There was good players along yep. the line, but basically, you won because of those perimeter players. It's Cincinnati has it, uh, Philadelphia has it. Kansas City has it, and everybody criticized Jacksonville in the offseason for Kirk, you know, and Ingram and Zay Jones, but you know what? They All they did was win a division going from terrible. So, you know, it's it's, it's kind of a proven thing, and, and I think we've got to get there. So Rick Venturi, quickly before I, I let you go, too, I want to ask you about Dewan Jones, the tackle from Ben yeah. Davis that played at Ohio State. What do you yeah. think about his game at the next level? I really, really like him. I, I think, you know, he's He's so big. I mean, he is so huge. Um, You know, he just blocks out the sun, to be honest with you. But he is a much better athlete. He is one of my favorites who is not in that top tier, probably in the next tier. Um, He is really one of my favorites on tape. He has much better athleticism for that size. You know, he's primarily a right tackle. That's where he'll be. But there's more importance on the right tackle today than there's ever been um my favorite two and i will mention these two guys because you you, you actually three guys uh i I, now he's a real riser and he's in he's going to be midway in the first half but i i love darnell right out of tennessee i had him as a top pick right off the bat and now all of a sudden after the combine and everything he's really risen out of tennessee uh, I like Cody Mock out of North Dakota State. I think he's a guy that plays tackle, but he could be a that right guard, uh, you know, type of guy. I mean, he's a, he's another guy that's that's that way. And then Jones, obviously, is the third guy. A fourth guy that I really like, and I think he's going to be a second day guy. I like the guard out of TCU. Now, there's a lot of guards. A lot of people like I like Avila. He is my favorite. Yeah. Uh, inside, and we saw him there. play a great deal in in competitive situations too. So. Yeah, I, I yeah. think he's t- I think he's a road grader, but I think he's athletic enough to protect. And so those are those are kind of four guys that I really like. That although I think you could you can take Wright out of there. I think Wright's going to go with Johnson, Skaronsky, um, uh, the Jones from Georgia. I mean, I, I, I think I think that Wright is going to go right with those guys in the first round. All right, Rick, final minute here. We just got news recently regarding Shaquille Leonard. What did you think in terms of him ever getting back to what everybody thought he was going to be? Well, I just I'm pulling for him. I, I, I'm just pulling so hard for him. Um, you know, he's got the right stuff. Um, when I talk about guys that impact the game, um, he does it in a different way. Uh, he takes the ball away. He has a unique skill. Um, he would mean so much to you because you just don't have those guys. You don't have those game changers, and he is definitely one of them. Obviously, last year was just a terrible struggle for him. I worry about it because I, you know, I've had back surgery myself. It's it's just not an easy thing, and no two guys are the same. So, like I say, I'm I'm really pulling for him because he would have 
you know, both a game-changing and, I, I really believe this, an emotional lift on this team. That's uh, Rick Venturi right there. Again, the podcast at Colts.com that answers a lot of these questions regarding the draft. And he and Matt Taylor and Joe Wrights got you anchored coming up on Thursday for round number one of that draft. And their show follows mine right here on The Fan. I cannot thank you enough for doing this every single year. It is really the highlight. It is the three or four times you join us every year. Um, awesome. Just absolutely awesome. Thank you very much. Oh, good friend. I, I absolutely love that hour. I cherish that hour. So let's have a good time Thursday night. All right. Get back with you soon, Rick. Thank you. Okay, man. Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com.